Today's episode of Skim from the Couch is brought to you by Prudential. Prudential helps you plan financially for today and tomorrow. Okay, let's get into the show. For me, I think I got much better at my job because having children made me prioritize my time and not fill it with stuff that wasn't important. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it, from the good stuff like hiring and growing a team to the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? So please welcome Poppy Harlow to the couch. Poppy grew up in Minnesota and had originally planned to be a lawyer, but she fell in love with business news after a college internship, and it's worked out for her. Today, you might recognize Poppy as one of the anchors on CNN Newsroom. Poppy is also the host of one of our favorite podcasts, Boss Files, where she talks to badass leaders about how they got to where they are today. Through her work, she's interviewed huge names like Warren Buffett, Jay-Z, and Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And that interview has quite the story behind it. We'll get into it, but just know that it involves diapers. In the meantime, (laughs) Poppy, welcome to the couch. You are remiss in not noting that I have also interviewed Carly and Danielle. Oh, yes. Kim. <laughs> You're a tough podcast. interviewer. Well, that's why you you're are. here. You're good at your job. <laughs> yes. We do our homework. Thank you, ladies. I'm so thrilled to be here and on the other side of the couch than I'm usually sitting doing your job. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks for having me. So let's get started. Skim your resume for us. Ooh, skim my resume. Um, thought I did everything perfectly in terms of school, I grew up in Minnesota, went to Columbia University where my dad went here in New York City because I really wanted to be like him. He passed away when I was young, when I was 15, and was just the most formative person in my life. So everything after that was like, how can I be more like him? Went to Columbia, thought I did it perfectly, graduated early, straight A's, did not get into one of the single top law schools I applied to. Harvard, no. Yale, no. Columbia, no. Stanford, no. I was devastated, crying. Best thing that ever happened to me. I was like, all right, well, I interned as a journalist through college. I guess I'll try this news thing out. Again, as my friend Rebecca Jarvis, who you guys know, she says, find a side door. My side door was the best door I could have found. So that's me. So where did you work? Like, walk us through what you did. Well, so I worked at CBS uh, Market Watch Business News in college, totally fell into that internship and stayed there for three years and uh, and then got hired on the news desk at CBS News Newspath, which works with the affiliates uh, right out of college. And then I would like beg cameramen and women and producers to let me go on their shoots so that I could make a real tape. Like we used tape back then, like beta tapes. And I did. And I put put it together. I wish I had a copy because I was awful. <laughs> but it was something I had that I could send out. And I sent it all over the country to little news stations all over the country to, to try to get hired to be on camera. And then eventually I got a gig um, working in New York at a great station called New York One. I got very lucky. I was the Uh, like the worst possible hours, you know, fill in whenever no one else wants to work on the Staten Island and New Jersey bureaus, (laughs) not even the main network. I never made it to the really to the main network. 
But I learned so much. I love those people. I learned how to shoot, how to edit all my own stuff. You do it all. And I am eternally grateful to them. So going off resume, what is the job that you keep off of your LinkedIn? Or what's the thing that someone can't find out about you from looking at your resume? What can they not find out about me? I think how domestic I am. I just made my daughter Sienna a unicorn. Oh, I follow you on Instagram, oh, I and I saw that. I made that. You, I know. I saw. I read the caption. You <laughs> could have your own bakery. That was the most the, amazing cake I've ever seen. If this news thing doesn't work, yeah, journalism thing, I'm definitely going into that because the margins on those cakes in New York City are enormous. But I really love being domestic, and I don't think you can it have to be one or the other. Like you know, catch me in Brooklyn from five to seven, and I'm. Uh, Martha Stewart, not so good, but I try to be, or Julia yeah. Child, right? And then, you know, catch me on the other part of the day and I'm working, Poppy. So I guess you wouldn't see that, right? Because yes. I don't think we you, emphasize that enough. You wouldn't see that. And that's actually what we, we want to kind of jump into, sure. which is you just alluded to a few different things. One was that you're up at 4 a.m. The other is so that fun. you're then coming home and making dinner. <laughs> so first, just walk us in, like, give us a timeline of, like, what is your day? What time does the alarm go off? What time do you leave the house? When alarm do you goes home? off at 4, hop in the shower, leave the house by 4.20 or so, 4.30 sometimes later, um, <laughs> run into the office. We have our team meeting for our show, Jim Shudo, my great co-anchor, and I at 5.15 with our awesome team of producers and writers who are actually based in Atlanta. And uh, we have that meeting. Then it's prep, prep, prep for the show, which changes five times before we actually get on the air at 9 a.m. because of the news cycle and lots of tweets. And uh, and then do the show from 9 to 11. And then post 11, it's like sort of this part duh of my job that I love, which is a few things. One, preparing for the podcast, Boss Files, uh, with, with you know, different CEOs and leaders like yourself. And there's a lot of work that Haley Drasnan, my awesome producer, and I um, do that goes into it that people don't know. As you know, prepping for these things takes a ton of research, a ton of time. Booking these people is hard. You have to call and convince them and their PR people to come on. So a lot of work doing that and then working on more in-depth pieces. Right now I'm working on a big documentary. What time do you leave? I leave every day unless it's a big shoot I have to do by 3.15 p.m. because I get to Brooklyn to pick up my daughter at school at 4. And if I don't do that, then I'm not going to see her, right? So because I miss the morning. So I'm pretty adamant about about leaving by then. So you have two kids now, yeah. Sienna and Luca. Yeah. Um, they're very young. <laughs> they are. Uh, you're, you're doing a lot. And, you know, I remember like a few years ago, I think it was when you were pregnant with your first, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, um, you passed out I on did. air. I Yes, that comes up very prominently in a Google search. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want you to, I want to dwell on that for a second because like, I'm sure that was an enjoyable moment for you, but because we're talking about exhaustion mm. and multitasking and trying to do a lot. And I think a lot of our listeners, while they might not be on air for CNN, like they're also having families. Oh. They're also thinking about how do they have a career in families or how do they have choices within those? I, I, yeah. I think actually to, to be very blunt and, and honest about it, I have it easier than most people, right? I have a salary where I can afford good childcare, which most people don't in this country, which is something we have to fix and Congress should help with. Um, you know, and I still find it hard, right? And so, you know, most Americans are juggling one, two, three, you know, minimum wage or slightly above minimum wage jobs. So let me just put that out there. I have it easier than most. Uh, and I have a husband who does half, truly, truly does 50%, took took three months paternity leave with our second, one month with our first. So all of that said, I think I passed out because I was exhausted and didn't put myself first and my health first, 
I, look, this happens to pregnant women, apparently. The doctors told me you have more blood flowing mm-hmm. and whatever, and it can rush your brain, et cetera. I don't know. I was fine. Baby was fine. But it was a bit of a wake-up call for me. I think that on that note, did you actually consider taking a break? No. I begged them in the commercial break. They had to go to commercial, obviously. I begged them to let me keep anchoring. They had to drag me off the set. It's crazy. I would never be like that today. I am in these last three years, I have evolved so much in terms of taking care of my health and my, I mean, I would work out and eat well, but I wasn't really taking care of myself because I was constantly running from social things to work things to family things and not putting myself first. You know, I am Knowing the industry that you're in, like it's a competitive industry. There's also like a love of what you do and a passion for what you do. And those are different, um, those are different motivations for people that might be considering the same juggles and struggles and like, how do I stay relevant at work? How do I make sure that I I don't give up something that I love? Then how do you find that balance of like when to say no? Yeah. How have you how has that evolved for you? Well, I think. Okay, so I wrote a column about this last year for USA Today, Finding Happiness in No. I think the biggest professional mistake I've made and personal and just life mistake I've made is what my husband calls popping all the little bubbles. I just have not been good at focusing on these are the big things I want to accomplish. I had to get every little thing done when those little things don't matter. That ate up all of my time. And I've learned and gotten a lot better at saying no to a lot of stuff. There's a lot of coffees I want to have and meetings I want to have and friends' dinners I want to go to, but I can't and be the best person that I want to and need to be. So I've learned how to say no. I was also filling my calendar. I would look and see like a an open hour and I'd say, sure, I can meet you or sure, I can do this or sure, I can go to the gym or, or whatever. And I really should have just taken that time to read, to reflect, to meditate. I would like to start doing that. I don't. I should sort of every successful person I know does. So I've learned to say no and to work things, by the way. And I think people respect you more when you do say no to things. So we were just talking um, today is a a big news day. Um, So the the Mueller report was just uh, released. And we were just talking about your schedule. And you said you're going to be anchoring tonight. At midnight. At midnight. You know, that's a moment that there's breaking news all the time. Yeah. There is that adrenaline rush of anyone who's in the news industry. Like we all, no matter what it is, we're like, what is it? What is it? I want to learn more. How mm-hmm. do you, how do you say no to your boss? What if you were like, I, I don't want, I don't think I can tonight. It's my daughter's birthday. Um, I wouldn't be anchoring. Well, at midnight, I could probably do the midnight <laughs> show on my daughter's birthday. She'd be asleep by then. I've said no to a lot of. Look, I got a, um, my boss asked me to anchor the. White House Correspondents Dinner coverage in a few weeks, and my husband's taking me to Napa Valley for our first trip away from the kids, like, ever. Oh, that's funny. My birthday. And I told him, and he's like, no, don't. you absolutely have to go to Napa. Forget this. Go, go, go. That's a good boss, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that is saying no and being honest about why and prioritizing my family. There are other assignments that I would have to say no to my family for, but they have to really be worth it because careers are long. They're really long. So that's actually a good point about your boss, right? Uh, How have you, and you said over the past three years, like it's been an evolution Mm -hmm. of you. How did you feel you were effectively communicating that change to your boss? That they're, this is something you're working yeah. on, setting boundaries, well, and th- you need help I with I think it. it helps when you have a boss like, like Jeff Zucker who walks in your office. This happened to me. He walked in my office when I was just a few months pregnant with Luca, my my youngest, and he didn't know, no one else knew I was pregnant yet. And he looked at the wall. You know, he comes in before the show to chat about what we're doing early in the morning. 
And he stopped and he looked at the wall behind me on my desk as all of these photos of Sienna everywhere. And he looked and he looked at me very with a very serious look. I'm like, what, what's going on? And he said, have as many children as you can. He has four kids and he's a very involved dad. And that struck me. I'll never forget it. Because from that moment on, I was just never worried. I was never worried about what being on a maternity leave would mean for my career. His belief truly was and is family is the most important thing. Don't miss that for work. And so that made it easy for me, right? And so I had no problem taking maternity leave. Um, and I, you know, I just think more bosses have to be like that, even if they don't have kids and they don't get it. They need to respect that parenting is so important and so much harder, I think, than office work for me. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, I think that being a parent's made me better at my job. Kara Swisher told me this, great tech journalist, a few weeks ago, that her success professionally came post-children. For me, I think I got much better at my job because having children made me prioritize my time and not fill it with stuff that wasn't important. All right, let's take a quick break. One thing I have learned about myself, ironically, I am very, very good at thinking ahead when it comes to vacation. I am not so good at thinking ahead when it comes to planning my financial savings. I am not good at either. But we can all agree that being in the know is much better than being in the dark when it comes to your money situation. Luckily, Prudential can help you see the light. And that cash money. So meet Prudential's financial wellness assessment tool. It helps you see where you stand with your financial goals and gives you key insights about your financial health. It only takes a few minutes to complete. So afterwards, you'll know where you stand and what you need to do next to reach your financial goals. Use Prudential's financial wellness assessment tool to help you assess and plan for your own financial wellness. All you have to do is go to prudential.com slash the skim to get started today. That's prudential.com slash the skim. Let's talk about your time at work during during the days that it, when you were actually in the office at CNN. Yes. You have a stressful job. You multitask a lot. And you, as we talked about, like you're anchoring, you're reporting, you're investigating, you're researching, you're podcast hosting. What's your favorite part of your job? The people I get to meet. No question, like true front row seat to history, being on the air in breaking news moments. You know, I was anchoring alone uh, when I was the weekend anchor when Justice Antonin Scalia died. Here, the Supreme Court justice dies, and I'm on the air straight for eight hours. There was no, like, yeah. where's Anderson Cooper? Right. Like, where are the big shots to right. come? But it's the weekend. There was no one there, you know? And credit to Jeff for just, like, letting me go. <laughs> and and so those moments, right? And then interviewing people, like walking up to Warren Buffett 10 years ago at a conference saying, I'm Poppy. You know, I'm 12. I really was, like, 12 <laughs> years old. I had just gotten hired at CNN. You have no idea who I am. But can I have five minutes? And he gave me five minutes for an interview. in the middle of the financial crisis. and made a ton of news. And... Those are the moments, having access to these people. But with that comes a big responsibility, like uh, Flint, Michigan. I was there um, interviewing the governor in the middle of the water crisis, the lead water crisis. None of the parents in Flint, you know, whose kids are adversely affected for the rest of their lives because they have lead poisoning, were able to sit down with the governor, really. So I remember feeling this huge responsibility to channel their questions to him. And here I was, a pregnant mother. I felt like I couldn't, I knew I couldn't drink the water there. I, I felt like I couldn't even order anything to eat at a restaurant. And so I went around the town before the interview with 
the governor and talked to moms and dads about like, what would you ask him? What do you want to say? So it's the access to those people, but then the responsibility of what do you do with that time? Are you going to use it wisely or are you going to blow it? I think one of the things that's been interesting in watching your career from afar is that you are in an industry that is, you know, big media companies like CNN, things are changing. Um, They're trying to change in a lot of ways, some successful, some not. Mm -hmm. And when I look at you, although you've been working at big places, you have this entrepreneurial spirit. Why is that important to you? And do you think that it has helped you with your career at this moment? I'm glad you see that because I don't, but I'm starting to. (laughs) with what we're building with the podcast and with these pieces. But I've always been someone who's so much more comfortable working for someone else and having a steady paycheck come home. My husband's the more sort of entrepreneurial one. And uh, someone once said to me, my old boss, who's no longer at CNN, said to me, I think you could be a CEO one day. And I was like, yeah, 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 right. But I keep thinking about it. And it meant so much to me that he saw that in me, that that leadership. And I do think often about what would I build? If I wasn't doing this, what would I build? How would I build it? I look at you guys, I mean, I have from afar and then walking in here today just in awe because it's terrifying to go out on your own, to try something on your own, to bet everything on it like you guys did. I'm just not comfortable yet with that unknown, but maybe I'm getting more comfortable. A lot of, as you describe your career, like not, you know, when you had to sort of switch paths from law school, when you talk about the podcast. The law school I did not get into. I didn't want to bring that up again, but... uh, (laughs) you know, being kind of thrown in at New York One, it's a lot of like, sounds like for you, trial by fire. Yeah. Are you, do you, would you think of yourself as a fearless person or how do you think Not about- Not at all. I'm terrified of, I'm too scared of things. My husband would say that I just like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm constantly scared of failure. I don't know why I'm working on it, but I'm, I'm, I am not. So how do you let that not paralyze you? I guess I I think no is the starting point for a negotiation. I'm incredibly persistent. And I also think the worst thing that can happen is no. Going back to the Warren Buffett ask, like what he's going to say no. And then what? Mm -hmm. He'll forget about me in a day. Or he can say yes. And I could have a, you know, decade plus of covering him. Right. So the upside is so high. If you try, the downside is rather shallow. How do you take that advice and uh, use it personally. When you're thinking the starting point is no, do you go into <laughs> personal negotiations, salary negotiations oh, with that advice as well? That's the whole thing, right? I mean, the hard thing about salary negotiations is that it's the only way I think you can really tell how much your employer values you is this number. And that's unfortunate because that's not truly the only way they value you, but it is the way they tell you, here's how much we care about you, right? So I always take them very personally, which is not the best advice, but I do. Um, I think you will never get paid what you're worth until you know what you're worth. I don't think I have ever known what I was worth until now. So we'll see on the next negotiation. Good luck, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Kara Swisher told me again, um, you know, I asked her why she knew it was time to leave the Wall Street Journal and and build what she did in her own. And, and, And she was talking about just going in there and saying, this is what I'm worth. This is what I demand or I'm walking. And she was right. But until you really know your own worth, why on earth should you expect someone else to?
Spring is not just about cleaning your space. It's about cleaning up your act which is cleaning with Quip. Quip is an easy way to start spring cleaning your brushing habits. They have the best electric toothbrushes, which have very sensitive sonic vibrations. The vibrations give you this very good clean that is gentle on your sensitive gums. The brush pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you to clean your entire mouth evenly. And why, this is so gross, 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes and don't clean evenly. That's you, by the way. I've seen you brush your teeth. Oh my God, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) But now they have a Quip Kids option. It's the new brush. It's the same as the original, but it's smaller because kids have smaller mouths. So they scaled it down. All of this is why we love Quip and why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash skim right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash skim. Now that you're... You know your worth now. You are, you are a big deal now. Okay. Like you you are someone that people both in your current workplace and outside of CNN look up to. How do you think about mentoring others? How do you think yeah. about how to set the example of that? It's so important um, a few ways. Internally have the salary conversations with your peers and with those who work for you and fight for them. You can't always win. But you have to fight for those men and women, and you have to talk openly. I think about salaries. Um, my good friend Brooke Baldwin did this great segment um, maybe six months ago about how she told one of her friends in the biz exactly how much she makes as that friend was going into contract negotiations. So they went in armed with that knowledge. It's so, so, so. Oh, start up life. Phone's going off. Oh, it's my husband. Should we answer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to him. Okay. Hey, babe. Hey, You're hey, on guys. the Skim podcast on hi. speakerphone because you called during my interview. Oh, sorry. Do you want to say hi to Carly and Danielle? Hi, Carly and Danielle. Hi. Hi. Wait, let's ask him a question. Okay, yeah. he just landed from London and he oh. brought me some English breakfast tea, right? Oh, I love English breakfast tea. I, <laughs> I hope you can share with us. <laughs> we will. Okay, what's what's one word you would use to describe Poppy? Ooh, um, beautiful and fierce. Ooh, oh, fierce. Fierce is good. Thanks, honey. <laughs> oh, I like that. What's your favorite interview that she's done? Um, hmm. I like all of them. Yeah, I don't know. The latest one usually. <laughs> um, good answer. Are you are you home? No, I just landed. So oh. I'm in cab. I just was I'm gone so to say glad. Hi. Okay, I'll see you. I'll get Sienna at school. I'll see you at home before I have to go back to work. Bye. Okay. Bye. 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 Nice meeting you guys. Nice to meet you too. (laughs) There's that. Oh, I love that. that. So let's talk about um, the RBG interview. (laughs) Diaper gate. Let's do it. So (laughs) you you interviewed her days after giving birth to Luca. And the interview was a huge deal. I mean, she's huge. Um, You did it in a diaper. True story. So I was asked when I was pretty uh, early in my pregnancy with with Luca to interview RBG at my alma mater at Columbia. She was coming to speak for the women's conference. The date of the interview was Luca's due date, February 12th. And I was like, yeah, no, but thank you. I would like nothing I'd love more. Were you telling people at that point that you were pregnant? I did tell Columbia, I think, to explain why I was saying no, or maybe I just told work. And so then I went to the doctor and she moved my due date up a week to like February 5th. And then Columbia called again and they said, just to be clear, are you saying no to a sitting Supreme Court justice? And I was like, oh, Sinish and I were on vacation in um, 
in Croatia. He's from he's born in um, he's born in Bosnia, former Yugoslavia. And he's like, you have to do this interview. I said, are you serious? Like Luca could be late. I mean, he's a newborn. That's bad being a bad mom. He said, absolutely not. First of all, I can handle this and you have to do this interview. So I called Columbia. I said, okay, are you, if you're okay with me backing out, if I'm in labor and you have a backup, they said, fine, sure. We'll get a backup. I am so glad that I said yes and didn't get my like guilt, let my guilt genes get in the way of saying no because it was incredibly meaningful to me professionally, but personally to sit with her, someone who's fought for equal rights for women for so long. When did you give birth? I gave birth on, on the day after his due date on February 6th. And then on February 12th, I did the so interview. six days later. Okay. Yeah, six days later. But you know, you wear a diaper. No one tells you the gross stuff. You're bleeding for a while and it hurts and you have to wear a diaper. This is why we like you because you tell us the Well, and stuff. they like pack it with ice for a while. The whole thing's crazy. They give you these amazing mesh underwear at the, just wait, girls. Our, our team, <laughs> our team, team behind you looks like they're, they're about to throw all, up. Yeah. We just, I know. They give you these mesh underwear at the hospital that are the most comfortable things ever. And I remember Dana Bash, my colleague, told me to steal a bunch of them from the hospital and take them all <laughs> I've home. I've actually heard that. I've yeah, heard that. true story. <laughs> so, and so I wore a diaper on stage and ordered a size large skirt from Rent the Runway so that I could fit I into something this. professional looking. When there, I remember seeing that story from mm. afar and thinking two things. One is like, that's really, really cool. <laughs> and two, also feeling like if, if I were watching this and I had just given birth, like, does this in some way contribute to that guilt feeling? Yes. Like that is. Well, I also worry that does it make other women feel bad? Yeah. yeah. Like, and I and I thought a lot about that, about not doing it because of that criticism or just making them feel bad if they felt like they couldn't. I Here's, here's what I decided, that everyone has to give themselves permission and society needs to give them permission to make their own choice. So my circumstance with a husband who was home, most women, by the way, their husbands or partners wouldn't be home. They'd have to be back at work. They'd get no paternity or or partner leave. So my circumstances made it possible having good child care. The interview was here in New York. I would not have flown out of state for it. And the timing, it worked. But I I, I think we all need to give each other permission and give everyone a break. Like, let someone do what they want and don't make them feel like they're a bad mom or dad for doing it or that they should, you know, or that they should do it, right? You've mentioned paid family leave Ugh. a few times now in this conversation. Because it's insane that I have this fully paid, generous three-month leave when I could afford not to. And then the people that work, you know, at the restaurant down the street from our apartment in Brooklyn don't. What? Like, they, sh they should have it. We should all have it. And when you, I think I read this, but I want to make sure that it's true. When you had Sienna, your husband, I know, took a month off. He didn't. He had no policy, But by the he way. had no policy. Mm -mm. No, he just took it. He just took it. And I said, it's are you worried about your job? He goes, nope, I'm good at my job. They're not going to want to lose me. But he's like ultimate confidence guy. He says it comes from he moved to this country at seven, speaking no English. And he was awkward looking and had this weird Serbian accent, he says. So he had to be like funny and confident because and it made him really confident. So, no, he he just took it. And then when he we had our second Ernst & Young um, EY put in place a four month paternity policy. And he took three months of that. Great. As an example, also to the guys that work for him. Mm -hmm. You seem very, like, in a good place in life where you seem like you have good perspective on what matters and, and how, to, how to spend your time. Now. Now. It's been a journey. 
what is the stuff that stresses you? What gets under your skin? Where is it? What what makes you lose your cool? Uh, I need, so I've work, been working on this, like working on finding more joy in my life because here I am and was so lucky to have this good, interesting job, this really equal partner and my husband, two healthy kids. That's all that matters. But I wasn't joyful. I was like going through the motions, doing the work. You guys probably thought from the outside I was great and I was not very happy inside. Um, so I've been on like a joy journey and I'm working on it. You're using the word joy yeah, and not happiness. Yeah. yeah, purposefully. Joy. I don't know. I Someone said it to me once and a friend bought me perfume because it's called joy. And I look <laughs> at it every day and she said, I want you to keep this in your purse to be joyful. Because if my dad died at 49, so if I go through life without some joy, what am mm -hmm. I doing? Like if my resume looks great and, you know, on TV you look like you go to the miracle makeup room and then they make everything look like you're fine. But if you don't have that internal joy, then what do you have? So I still think I struggle though with, and part of why I wasn't happy for a while was um, I need constant affirmation which has been hard in my marriage and hard in my work because if like my husband doesn't say that was amazing, mm -hmm. whatever the food or whatever I did or, you know, something then I thought I wasn't good enough. And if I didn't get that constant affirmation at work, I thought I wasn't good enough. So I think I've learned to not need it as much. I'll give you positive affirmation. That cake was really, really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. Our favorite segment. You ready? Yes. It is our lightning round. Ooh. We are going to ask you rapid fire questions. You have to answer as quickly as possible. Okay. What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Lawyer. College major. Political science. First job. Gas station. Amico. Doing what? Cashier. Worst job. When I did have to um, drive out to Staten Island in the middle of the night to shoot those stories. Yeah. That was tough, but, but also part of the best job because I learned a ton. Worst professional mistake you've made? Being too hard on producers and colleagues when I was young. Grr. First call when you get good news. Sinisha, my husband. First call. He when doesn't you... always answer. He's bad at that. Oh, it seems pretty good, right? Yeah. I answered. Okay. First <laughs> call when you get bad news. Sinisha. When was the last time you negotiated for yourself? Two years, a little over two and a half years ago. So it's coming up. Good luck, Jeff, I'll say. Jeff, get ready. <laughs> um, go to interview question. And you can answer when you are interviewing someone for work or when you're interviewing someone to hire for your team? Um, when I'm interviewing someone for the podcast, it, the question is, what do you want your kids to say about you one day? Oh, that one got me. Um, how do people know you're stressed? Oh, it's pretty apparent. <laughs> <laughs> what, what drives you? What drives me right now is being intrigued by someone or something like really wanting to know more about that person and then trying to land that interview. What is your shameless plug for our audience? Um, subscribe to Boss Files with Poppy Harlow on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. <laughs> My producer would be so proud. Yes. It's funny because everyone thinks like, oh, well, aren't you like so focused on your show? And I am and I love the show. But I think the fact that we started the podcast, the podcast just like is you so guys good. started this kind of from scratch yep. and then CNN just like let us do it. Yeah. That's... I mean, it's great. Poppy, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for thank having you. me. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. 
And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M.com. Two M's for a little something extra. We are lucky enough to have Skim advisors who we can go to all the time and ask them questions about mistakes that we've made. One thing that we constantly have questions about are finances. And we are lucky enough to have one of the best advisors and mentors you can have on this topic, Alexa Von Tobel. And Alexa, we are so, so proud of for her new book. So our Skim Reads this week on the podcast is Financially Forward by Alexa Von Tobel. In Financially Forward, Alexa breaks down literally everything you need to know to be smart about your finances, from protecting your privacy to avoiding extra fees when you use mobile pay. It is honestly a must-read, and you can get it right now if you check out the link in our show notes. Okay, well, that is it for this week. We will see you back here next week.